good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, October 22nd. Here are election 2020 updates from today's show. President Trump and his advisors have repeatedly discussed whether to fire FBI Director Chris Wray after the election. It is a scenario that also could imperil the tenure of Attorney General Bill Barr as the president grows increasingly frustrated that federal law enforcement has not delivered his campaign the kind of last-minute boost the FBI provided in 2016. Devlin Barrett and Josh Dossey report that the conversations among the president and senior aides stem in part from their disappointment that Ray in particular, but Barr as well, have not done what Trump had hoped, which is to claim or even hint that Joe Biden, his son Hunter Biden, or other Biden associates are under investigation. In the campaign's closing weeks, the president has intensified public calls for jailing his challenger, much as he did for Hillary Clinton. Trump has taken to repeatedly calling Biden a criminal, not just without evidence, but also without even articulating what laws he believes the former vice president might have broken. People familiar with the discussions tell Devlin and Josh that Trump wants official action similar to the announcement made 11 days before the last presidential election by then-FBI director Jim Comey, who informed Congress that he'd reopened the investigation into Clinton's use of a private email server after new messages had been found on Anthony Weiner's laptop. Trump was explicit that this is exactly what he wants during a Tuesday interview on Fox News. He referred to information about Hunter Biden recently touted by his own private lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, based on the contents of a laptop computer purportedly belonging to the former vice president's son. Senior FBI officials have refused to play this political game and say they're wary of repeating moves that were sharply criticized as unfair and inappropriate by the Justice Department's own inspector general after the election. Trump considers Ray one of his worst personnel picks. White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows has also sharply criticized Ray during internal discussions, as has another top advisor, his golf caddy turned Deputy Chief of Staff Dan Scavino. Meadows has expressed frustration that Ray will not declassify more documents related to the FBI's 2016 probe of Russia's election interference, but federal law enforcement officials say they have not been told specifically what documents Meadows even wants to be declassified. The attorney general has been drawn into some of these disputes as the president has complained that a hoped-for report from Connecticut U.S. Attorney John Durham, who's scrutinizing the origins of the Russia investigation, is not expected to surface until after Election Day. People who have been in the room with the president tell Josh that Trump has been so fixated on the Durham report that he would turn up the volume on the television whenever segments about the investigation would air. Trump has told allies that he believes Barr, or he believed Barr, would deliver, quote, scalps in the form of Durham's report. And he's used profanity to express his anger that the law enforcement apparatus is not doing more to help him out. FBI sources tell Devlin that Ray has decided to largely stay away from meetings with the president out of an abundance of caution. As this palace intrigue continues, U.S. officials last night accused Iran of targeting American voters with faked but menacing emails and warned that both Iran and Russia had obtained voter data that could be used to endanger the upcoming election. 
The disclosure by Director of National Intelligence John Ratcliffe at a hastily called news conference marked the first time this election cycle that a foreign adversary has been formally accused of targeting specific voters in a bid to undermine Democratic confidence four years after Russian online operations targeted the 2016 vote. The claim that Iran was behind the email operation, which came into view on Tuesday as Democrats in several states reported receiving emails demanding that they vote for Trump or else, was leveled without any specific evidence. The emails claimed to be from a pro-Trump group called the Proud Boys. That's the group Trump told to stand by during the first debate. But evidence had mounted that they were, in fact, the work of another hidden actor taking advantage of weak security on the server that had been controlled by the Proud Boys. Other U.S. officials stressed to our intelligence reporter Ellen Nakashima that Russia still remains the major threat to the 2020 election. Ellen and Craig Timberg have a great story in our paper today that looks at some of the ways that U.S. agencies are mounting a major effort to thwart Russian interference. For months now, American military cyber operators, aided by intelligence from the NSA, have been targeting Russian spies to disrupt their plans by repeatedly knocking them off the Internet, confusing their planners, and depriving them of their hacking tools. The goal is to prevent them from attacking U.S. voting systems. A vital missing ingredient, however, has been messaging from the top, such as a declaration from Trump himself that the United States will not tolerate the Kremlin's efforts to interfere in the election. And disinformation experts say that Trump has reinforced Russian President Vladimir Putin's attempts to stoke American social divisions with his inflammatory and unfounded remarks about racial and cultural issues, the coronavirus, and the security of voting by mail. But officials on the inside say that even if Trump's not publicly voicing support for agency efforts, he's not impeding them. And the NSA, FBI, and DHS have made securing our election a top priority. In other election-related news, Barack Obama held a drive-in rally last night outside the stadium where the Philadelphia Eagles play. He spent about half an hour lacing into Trump. He really let it rip. The former president said that if Trump could not protect himself from COVID, he's certainly not going to be able to protect the rest of us. Obama said Biden is not going to screw up testing. He's not going to call scientists idiots. And he's not going to hold a super spreader event at the White House. Obama attacked Trump for his embrace of conspiracy theories, including his recent retweet of a conspiracy theory that Osama bin Laden was not really killed. He also contrasted Trump's economic record with his own and spoke at length about the president's attempts to gut Obamacare. Obama also implored Democrats to ignore the polls showing Biden ahead and to avoid the complacency that he says cost Hillary Clinton the election in 2016. Obama's appearance in a state Trump won by less than 1% last time showed how important the Keystone State's 20 electoral votes are in this race. It often has felt like the whole presidential contest can be boiled down to a Pennsylvania Senate race. Trump stumped on Tuesday night in Erie. That's an area where Obama won in 2008 and 2012, but that flipped to Trump in 2016. During his speech in Philly, Obama made hay of Trump's secret Chinese bank account, which I told you about yesterday. He said, quote, Can you imagine if I had a secret Chinese bank account when I was running for re-election? You think Fox News might have been a little concerned about that? They would have called me Beijing Barry. Biden didn't attend the rally. The former vice president was hunkered down at his home about half an hour away in Wilmington, Delaware, preparing for the final debate tonight against Trump in Nashville. The debate starts at 9 p.m. Eastern. If you don't want to watch Talking Heads on cable TV, I'd encourage you to check out our free live stream at WashingtonPost.com or at YouTube.com slash WashingtonPost. 
I will be in our newsroom along with my colleague Libby Casey for a special preview show that will air for the hour before the debate, and then we'll reconvene for analysis during the hour afterward. And of course, I'll be right here again tomorrow morning with my take on the debate. And that's all for today, October 22nd. I'm James Homan. Stay safe. Thanks for listening. If you want to hear full episodes, find The Daily 202 every weekday morning wherever you get your podcasts. 